Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So we're in a series, uh, I think this is our sixth week in a series, and um, about living a generous life. And when we live a generous life, we've talked about this, we reflect God's generosity. Of course, what you are generous with really does matter. Uh, we don't want to be generous with hate, right? We want to be generous with the things, the attributes that God has given us, his goodness. We, we want to be generous with love and generous with joy and generous with God's resources and generous with patience. How many has been generous with patience lately? <laughs> Woo, I know I'd stepped on some toes right there. Generous with kindness. In fact, generosity is really an act of love because it's about giving and sharing the resources that God has blessed each and every one of us. Talents, money, kindness. Generosity reflects God's goodness. And that's the message, the title of my message today is The Generosity of Love. How can love change the direction of your life? Love can change the direction of your life and the lives around you. I want to share a parable that is found only in the Gospel of Luke. It's found in Luke chapter 10. And if you have your Bibles here today or if you have devices that you have your, the Word of God on, I encourage you to open that up and turn to Luke 10. We're going to stay there the entire time. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's probably, I would say that the parable of the Good Samaritan is probably the most famous parable worldwide. I mean, it's probably the only one that would even rival it is maybe the parable of the prodigal son. But the parable of the Good Samaritan is probably the most well-known parable worldwide. And I would, I would argue that it's probably the most controversial parable of all. It's a parable that was given by Jesus in response to a religious leader who was an expert in the Old Testament law and was testing Jesus' knowledge on the law. And among the Jewish people, this religious leader would have been someone that was looked upon as a lawyer. In fact, if you look in your Bible, the translation that you might be reading might say either an expert of religious law or it might actually just say lawyer in your, in your translation. And that's what he would have been seen of. He would have been seen as like a lawyer, someone who had the ability to interpret and to administer the law. So this religious leader decides to put Jesus to a test. Remember, even though Jesus had many followers, his authority and teachings were constantly being challenged by the religious leaders. We knew this. If you read the Gospels, you recognize that Jesus was constantly being challenged by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by the different religious leaders of the day. The common phrase that often we heard, by what authority do you do these things? When Jesus would heal some, by what authority would you do, the, do you do these things? By what authority do you have the right to come into the temple and to share, share from the word of God? By what authority? Of course, they were looking for the answer. They were not looking for the answer of God. Which is the authority that Jesus had? Was, it was God that had given him the authority to do such miraculous things. Which amazes to me when you see people being raised from the dead, when you see all these miraculous things, how they didn't understand that it wasn't the authority of God. But they were looking for an authority that was given by man. 
They were looking for someone that would say that, that, that he was being schooled or, or educated by some great scholar or some great rabbi. That's what they were looking for. In today's modern language, hey, what seminary did you graduate from? You didn't. You didn't. See, they knew that Jesus did not have any formal education at that point. Not, not, in that, not in the same way that the rabbis had. In fact, when Philip, who was a disciple, who discovered, who, who all of a sudden discovered who Jesus was, he believed that he was the Messiah, and he goes to his brother Nathaniel, and he tells Nathaniel, you know, I, I have found the Messiah. And, and Nathaniel says, and he finds out that Jesus came from Nazareth. Does any good thing come from Nazareth? Displaying his own skepticism. Jesus wasn't someone who was seen as a prodigy being groomed as this great teacher, let alone the Messiah. When Jesus enters the scene, he takes the religious community completely by surprise. And as a result, the religious leaders, the religious groups were always trying to test Jesus. And this is one of those stories, once again, where a religious leader, a lawyer, is putting Jesus to test. Let's see what this young man really knows. Let's see if he really knows God's word. And I want to begin in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. It states, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The religious lawyer was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 and Leviticus chapter 19, 18. This guy, this religious, this lawyer knew his stuff. He knew God's word. He responded to what Jesus was asking. He responded directly to it. Look how Jesus responds. Right, with an exclamation point. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The lawyer gave the right response. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And now the next statement made by the religious lawyer is a very interesting statement. If you look at verse 29, it says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, it's important to understand that this question is only asked for the purpose of limitations. It's not asked from the, from the perspective of generosity. He's trying to justify his actions, this lawyer is trying to do. He's trying to put limits on what is being said. He's not trying to expand it to be generous. He's trying to bring it down. You see... The lawyer was fine with the statement, you must love the Lord your God. That wasn't an issue. He was okay with that. But when it came to the second statement, and it's so amazing to me, he's the one that shared it. He's the one that quoted it. It wasn't Jesus telling him. The lawyer responded to the question that Jesus asked, and he answered the question. But now, you see, when all of a sudden the word of God touches your life, it can convict you. You see, that's what happens when we read the Word of God out loud. There's times as I'm reading God's Word, as I'm, all of a sudden there's a conviction that starts to come onto my life because God's Word is living and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to cut through those areas of our life where we have put walls up and it starts to tear down. 
all of a sudden we see that this guy's starting to get, he spoke it out, but now he's trying to justify his actions. When it came to that second statement, love your neighbor as yourself, he wanted to confirm the parameters and the limitations to that statement. Can I put some parameters around this thing? Obviously, the word neighbor implies someone who is nearby, not necessarily someone who is far away. In the Hebrew, it actually is, it means someone who is a, you're associated with, a friend or a companion. So the religious lawyer wanted to find the parameters around this command as to justify his own actions as he realized his love had limitations. Does your love have limitations? We're going to talk about that today. Lock the doors. Okay, no, I'm just teasing. Don't turn off that TV or your device. Stay with me. His love for his religious community was most, like, most likely very well known. But outside of his community, maybe not as much. I can imagine the thoughts of this religious Jewish lawyer. I can imagine the thought, you know, love your neighbor. You're not talking about the Romans. We're not talking about the Romans, right? Because, you know, the Romans are the ones who persecute us, right? We're not talking about them. We're not talking about the Samaritans, right? Because the Samaritans were the Jews that, 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 that really kind of defiled our nation by, by going out and marrying Gentiles. And, and you're not talking about the Samaritans. We're not, we're not that those aren't our neighbors, are they? And with all these thoughts going through this man's mind, Jesus responds and breaks out with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Starting in verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Say that with me. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, Notice he doesn't say the Samaritan. He says the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that once again your word will penetrate our hearts and lives. It will break down barriers, Lord God. It will, it will go deep into our lives to make changes, Lord God, that you, Lord God, only know. Lord, I pray the healing of our hearts the touching of our minds, that the word of God, Lord, would have a powerful impact on each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' story of generosity had to turn the lawyer's thinking upside down. It went beyond anything that he had ever practiced or that anything that he had ever considered. This was a new type of love. This was a love that was unconditional. It didn't really depend. He, he has taken, Jesus has taken this neighbor thing and he's exploding it out somewhere that he was not 
even comfortable with. A love that went beyond any differences that we might have with one another. It was an unconditional love for God's creation. The creation that God made in his own image. Mankind, one another. Today I want to share three insights on generosity from the parable of the Good Samaritan. The first one is this. Generosity starts with compassion. Generosity starts with... In verse 33, it states that a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Say it again. He felt compassion for him. Compassion is the ability to suffer with someone to the point where you feel their hurt and you feel their pain. Annette and I used to travel when we were young. We're still young, babe. But we used to travel when we were young. And we do tours all over North America. And sometimes we take different things to the south. And, and one of the statements that I never had heard before, but I started recognizing in the south, is bless your heart. Bless your heart. And I started realizing, I thought it was a compliment, but man, I started realizing more and more, it wasn't necessarily always a compliment. It wasn't meant to bless you. It was like looking down upon you, like almost, you know, when you ask for something, and oh, bless your heart, thank you so much. See, compassion is not looking down on someone. Compassion is looking eye to eye just on someone and feeling their pain. This Samaritan felt the pain of this Jewish man who had been beaten, robbed, and left for dead. Notice how Jesus includes two other, two other people in this story who could have helped this man. It wasn't just a Samaritan. He included two other people. He included a priest and he included a temple assistant. Remember what I've shared before. A parable is a made-up story to, to, to basically illustrate a religious truth. And this is what Jesus is doing. He, Jesus could have made this story up any way he wanted to, but he made it up specifically this way for a reason, for a purpose. Jesus is pulling no punches. He's hitting the religious lawyer right where it hurts. Have you ever been hit by God right where it hurts? I have. Not because he hates me, but because he loves me. He's directing his parable towards the community in which this man resides, a priest and a temple assistant. The priest had no compassion for the man was beaten and robbed. And the priest of all people should have known God's commandments. He should have known that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. You should have known, he should have known to love his neighbor as himself. But instead of going and helping that Samaritan or going helping the man that was beaten and robbed, the, it says in the scripture the priest literally walked to the other side of the road. So that he could get as far away as possible because he didn't want to get involved. The temple assistant comes by. He goes over and looks at the man that was, that was lying there beaten and robbed. But then he goes and crosses the road because he doesn't want it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't expect anything different from the temple assistant because guess what? He's probably following the priest. He's probably seen the exact things that the priest does and his love is limited. His love is not generous. It's limited. No, I don't have time to get involved today. It's important to understand to the lawyer that Jesus was speaking to, the Samaritan would have been considered the most unlikely person to stop and to help this person who had been beaten and robbed. That was the most unlikely candidate of the three. For sure, it had to be the priest. For sure, it had to be the temple. The Samaritan? Are you kidding? That's what makes this, this parable so controversial of its day. The Samaritan and the Jews didn't get along. They didn't like each other. It's why Jesus is telling the story in this way. Jesus wanted to challenge the lawyer's thinking. 
while probably even challenging his own disciples at the same time. Because even his own disciples, those that were the, the closest to him, they had problems with the Samaritans. We know that because they didn't want to walk over to the, the one location where all of a sudden they were going to help the woman at the, at the well. They didn't want to go through Samaria. We don't, Jesus, are you serious? No, 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 no. There was a great hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans were looked upon as spiritually corrupt because they were Jewish people who intermarried with Gentiles, which introduced idolatry into their community. It's likely the man who was beaten and robbed was also a Jewish man. And the idea that a Samaritan would be the one who would stop and help, that was challenging at best. For it should have been the responsibility of the priest or of the Levite, the temple assistant. This is a vital part of the truth that Jesus is sharing. How generosity pushes past hatred. It was a Samaritan who stopped and helped the man. And Jesus said that the Samaritan felt compassion for him. Jesus understood this story so well. I think it just comes right out of the heart of Jesus. Because when Jesus entered this world to save all people, yet many people, guess what, rejected his forgiveness, rejected his sacrifice, rejected his salvation, and people still today reject Jesus. During Jesus' time, he was hated by many. Not everyone liked Jesus. That's why he was crucified. And there's still that many who hate Jesus till, still today. But you see, this is the truth that I want you to take away from today that's so important. Generosity pushes past hatred because God's compassion loves all people in the gospels the word compassion is used multiple times to describe the actions of jesus we see it throughout the bible when you read the gospels you see it over and over and over again in matthew chapter 9 when the disciples and when jesus were walking through the different communities and jesus all of a sudden would encounter they were spreading the, the kingdom of the heaven the kingdom of heaven is near and they were spreading the good news of jesus christ and all of a sudden they would encounter people who were sick who, who were who were lepers whatever it might be and it says in this in the bible these specific words and he had compassion on them and he healed them same compassion that when he was teaching and all of a sudden he recognized that the people were hungry and he goes to his disciples and said, we need to feed these people because he had compassion on them and he fed the 5,000. It's the same compassion that all of a sudden he's walking down the streets, Jesus is, and all of a sudden I think is in Luke chapter 7 where all of a sudden he sees this procession that's going through the streets and it's a funeral procession and this, this widow had lost her only son. Her one and only son was, was we don't know how he, was, how he died, but he was dead and inside the coffin. And she's weeping. And Jesus, there says in there, he felt compassion for her. And he goes over and he, and he touches the casket. And it says in Scripture, read the story for yourself, Luke chapter 7. He touches the casket, and all of a sudden, the young man sits up and starts to talk. Freak you out. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, he just sits up. I mean, the Bible's interesting, guys. And he just starts to talk. Hey, how are you doing, Jesus? Thank you for healing me, man. I was dead. Did you know that? We don't know what the conversation was. 
But it says in the passage of Scripture that fear all of a sudden came over everybody that was there because they had never seen such power. Why do you share these stories with me, Pastor Tom? Because in every one of these stories, compassion moved Jesus towards a generous action. Every time this Greek word used in the New Testament, compassion, it results in a generous action. The Greek word for compassion comes from the root word meaning the inward parts, referencing your internal organs. It conveys the idea to be moved with compassion. When was the last time you were moved with something in your heart, in your mind, in your life? It's not just something that comes from your head. Compassion is something that comes from your heart. The Good Samaritan, it says he was moved with compassion. So much so that he got past the hate. He got past the things that they had differences with because he was moved with compassion. This is the truth that Jesus is revealing to this expert in the religious law. As he was so concerned with obeying the letter of the law that he was completely missing the heart of the law, the intent of the law. This Samaritan viewed his neighbor as anyone who was in need. And the Samaritan went above and beyond to take care of this man who had been beaten and robbed and left on the side of the road. He actually stopped. He bandaged his wounds. He took some, some wine and some, some olive oil and he helped with the wounds, bandaged them, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn, started taking care of this man. And then went to the innkeeper and said, whatever it costs, here's some money, here's some two silver coins, but I'm going to be back, take care of this person. If our generosity only serves the people we love and not the people God loves, then our generosity falls short short of God's desired standard for our life. Let me say it one more time. If our generosity only serves the people we love and not the people that God loves, then our generosity falls short of God's desired standard for our life. In this story, Jesus is redefining what it is to love your neighbor. He is creating a new environment that stretches beyond anyone's comfort at that point. He is stretching it out. He's saying, hey, guess what? The neighbor that you define, it's bigger than what you think. God's love and generosity stretches beyond race, religion, and gender. God's love stretches beyond political parties. God's love stretches beyond economical barriers. As Christians, we are called to love without boundaries. This is the central theme of this entire story, that it was the Samaritan who pushed past the boundary of hate so that he could help the Jewish man. And this is not, don't ever take my stories that we're we're bashing Jewish people. That's not what we're doing here by any means. Jesus was Jewish, by the way. But we all have at times in our lives where all of a sudden something rises up inside of us or some kind of prejudice comes inside of our life or something that we look down upon and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? The Samaritan Samaritan understood the truth. He even probably understood that this Jewish man probably despised him, but he helped him anyways. And it's important that we identify where our love and generosity might end. So that God's love can take over and bring healing into our hearts and our life. Where does your love end so that God's love can start to begin in your life? It's interesting how this story is similar to our own stories. How we've all been left for dead. We're all dead into our sin. And yet it was a good Samaritan. His name was Jesus. Who had compassion on each and every one of us. And through his love we were brought back to life. Through his forgiveness. 
Jesus was not only introducing a new definition of love for this religious lawyer, but Jesus was introducing an unconditional love for the entire world to see. A generous sacrifice that turned the world upside down. It's a story that should impact each and every one of us, each and every day of our life. How our hearts can be healed by the Savior's love. And this is the last thought that I want to share with you today from this parable. Generous love demands action. At the end of the parable, Jesus asked the lawyer this, this question. He says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the one who was attacked? And then the lawyer responded, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus responded, yes. And listen to those last words. Now go and do the same. Words and thoughts are cheap. It's great to think righteously, but our righteousness must get beyond our thoughts and they must turn into action. Jesus tells the lawyer, now go and do the same. Don't just walk away from this teaching and not change. It's one of the things that for me as I preach God's word and, and for each and every one of us when we read God's word, if we read God's word and we read it and we get up and we do the same thing over and we don't change, then what? guess what? It's not having an impact in our lives. We need to be able to read God's word and with, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it needs to impact our life towards change. Remember, this story began with the lawyer asking Jesus, what should I do to, inter- to inherit eternal life? And when Jesus asked the man, what does the law of Moses say? The lawyer knew the right answer. That's the, that's the crazy thing about this story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The lawyer knew the right answer. He gave it perfectly. Love the Lord your God and, and love your neighbor yourself. He, Jesus, right, that's it. Do this and you'll have eternal life. He knew the answer. But the lawyer had a difficult time putting it into action. See, we're all called to be followers of Jesus. Jesus put love into action when he came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins. Remember, we are hopeless and lost without the Savior's love. We had no answer for our sin. Jesus became the answer. Jesus is calling us to reflect his love for others to see. We are to be a reflection of his love. And the only way that we can do that is by living a generous life. True love requires action. Generosity is not hoarding God's love for ourselves. Generosity is giving God's love to others. It's creating an environment where God's love can change lives. How many of you need to create an environment, even in your your own home, where God's love can change your life? How many of you need to create an environment at your workplace where God's love can start impacting people's lives around you? I know that's difficult. Pastor, you don't know where I work. You have no, you have no clue what I'm going through. You don't, you, what? With God, all things are possible. Say it. With God, all things are possible. We can be a light. Why does God have us in certain places? Maybe we're the one called to be the light. Maybe we're the one that's called to be to share the love, to make the difference. Creating an environment where God's love can change lives. Some of the very final words that Jesus had for his disciples before the Last Supper, before he goes to the cross, he shares these words in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And these words are applicable to each and every one of us today. They're not just applicable to the disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these words are for you. Listen to Jesus' words. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. 
you should love each other. Catch this last line. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, our actions must be different from the actions of the world. We are not called to hate. We are called to love. Hate will never change anything in this world. God's love is what will change things in this world. We don't need more hate. We need more of God's love. Do I hear an amen in this place? If we really want to see what God can do in our, in our, through our lives and in this world, then what we have to do is be a demonstration of God's love through us. And the only way that we can do that is by being a generous person, by living a generous life, so that people can see the reflection of God's love that's coming out of us. When we do something that we're towards hate, which we've all made mistakes, me too, don't get me on the road. I'm God's love is working through me in my car, okay? It's happening. More and more love is coming all the time. That's where I need the greatest love. God loves stupid people, by the way. Just so you know that. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. See? Yeah. Come on. How many of you are ever tested in the car? Come on. Yeah, thank you. I didn't want to be the only one. But God desires for us to live a generous life so that others can see his love. That's the message for today. Let's show generosity by showing God's love to others. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word does not return void. It is powerful, it is effective, and it changes lives. I pray over each and every one of us this day as we walk into this memorial weekend. Lord God, it's an opportunity to spend time with friends. It's an opportunity to spend time with family. It's an opportunity to barbecue, have fun. And God, I pray, Lord God, over each and every one of us that we would have just a time of relaxation, a time of enjoyment. But in the midst of all that, Lord God, I pray that we would remember the great sacrifice that you made for each and every one of us. How, Lord God, out of compassion, your generous love was shown. And I pray this weekend, God, that you would give each and every one of us an opportunity to be a light of your love to others. That God, we will not put, pull back, we will not put on limitations, but God, we will put on generosity and we will show love. I thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts and our heart, in our lives this week. I pray once again, God, for every person here today that came in with a heavy heart. I pray by the generous spirit, your generous spirit, God, that they would leave, Lord God, with less burden today. That they would leave, Lord God, with the heart lifted in a greater way. That they would leave, Lord God, not focused on the problem. They, Lord God, they'd be focused on you today. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God is good. Is he faithful? Every day. Yes, he is. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.